0: Coming up this week, off screen. Justice Dawns in Batman v Superman. Disney invites us to visit Zootropolis. Christian Wigg welcomes us to her. We get cordially invited to a second big fat Greek wedding. Matthias Schonatz is in a state of disorder. And we meet Palestine's Speed Sisters. August Coming More, off screen. This is is Off Screen. Off Screen. screen. Mm. The latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Batman. you know what this week you're allowed kate (laughs) so we will of course get to uh batman v superman or bats v soups or (laughs) bvs or whatever you want to call it we will get to that in due course naturally uh however we should let's start with let's start with something i think needs more advertising Mm. this week because welcome to me yeah uh which is uh, this is this is that rare beast this is a mental health dramedy as it were yeah although you don't get many you don't get many of those Uh, skeleton twins that was that was sort of one also of Kristen Wigg. Also with Kristen Wiig. So this stars Kristen Wiig as a young, eccentric... uh, She's diagnosed as having borderline personality Mm. disorder, although she tells us at length that it has gone through multiple different diagnoses over the years. Um, One day, she wins the lottery. She wins $86 million on the lottery. What what does
1: she want to do with all that money? Well, it
0: turns out she's obsessed with TV and talk shows particularly, and she really wants to be Oprah Winfrey, (laughs) because who doesn't? Ignoring the fact that she's now worth about as much as Oprah Winfrey. I'm kidding! She's worth far less than when she's in the billions, isn't she?
1: Billions, or maybe
0: even higher—trillions. Uh, say. trillions. Yeah. Oprah has trillions. That's fine. Uh, so she decides to go to a local uh, cable TV station and pitch her own <laughs> talk show, which she will self-fund, and it's going to be called "Welcome to Me." And it's—it's going to just—it's not going to be an actual talk show, though. It's just going to be a show about. Oh, about her life she's just gonna vent all of her personal baggage on tv and we have a clip of literally the pitch meeting that takes place how much will that cost two hours you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars an episode uh, It's more like 150
1: and that times
0: 100 would be that's 15 million dollars Oh, and I want to come in on a swan boat. So that's literally her only sort of condition for, for the show. She wants to come in on a swan boat. Literally an enormous swan. She wants that's to be what I would want to do, As, as you do, because, yeah, sometimes you've got to come in on a swan boat. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the second film from uh, Shiva Piren, uh, Shira Piven, uh, who is the older sister of Jeremy Piven, as yeah, we've just we discovered, just discover and wife of Adam Mackay. So there is oh. a comedic pedigree at work there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's written by Elliot Lawrence, um, who's a relative unknown, but he did a, do did a lot of writing for, apparently, the Big Gay Sketch Show. Uh, Once upon a time. Was
1: that the actual title? Uh, That's the actual title.
0: Um, Now, this is the thing. I I saw the film ages ago. I think you did as well. Because it's been around around for a long time. Yeah. And. and it's now finally getting a release. Mm. And I sat there. I, I, I was sort of prepared. I remember thinking, in having watched it initially, yeah, it was it was kind of funny, kind of kooky. It had a bit going for it. It was it was it was enjoyable. Mm. I watched it again for the second time, having forgotten it from the first, yeah. and I laughed myself sense. It's a really funny film. Mm. Not so much about make, making broad. It's more about the offhand, the offhand gags, uh, little things like a character named uh, Richard coming and saying, "Hi, I'm Rich." He goes, "Yeah, me too." And it's things <laughs> like. <laughs> and I really love I it I remember that yeah I <laughs> think the performance at the centre of it all with Bridget Kristen Wiggs, um, is a brave very edgy performance it has because she has that sort of cutesy Meg Ryan sort of uh, sort of thing mm-hmm. going for her anyway all the time but here there is a little bit more edge and I think she played sort of the straight man effectively in Skeleton Twins against here, Bill Hader against yeah. Bill Hader who got this kind of a part now she's going the other way around mm-hmm. and it, it, it does work it does land the jokes are funny the supporting cast all work really well well. I think Tim Robbins is is the one I take away from the film, yeah, particularly really as, good, yeah. as a very put-upon therapist. Hmm.
1: It was really, really good um, kind of supporting uh, cast, isn't it? Yeah, it was really awesome. well um, done. James, James, James
0: Marsden? James Marsden, Wes Bentley, Jennifer Jason Lee yeah. uh, Joan Cusack. I wonder oh, course, why she's yeah. in there now. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> is there a Piven-Cusack connection we don't know about? <laughs> Ten years, man.
1: 10 years
0: <laughs> but no really recommended um, it, it is it does toe the line between dramedy and uh, between yep. drama and comedy in terms of being an actual dramedy very very well I was won over by it, and I saw. I really it. enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I liked it so much. I saw it twice. I didn't remember <laughs> it, but I saw it twice. <laughs> Should we do the the top ten for the week then? Oh, go on then. Let's get it on. Number ten: Kapoor and Sons, which wasn't press shown, and it's not the only one in the top ten this week, by the way. <laughs> so I have no idea about it. I presume this is a Bollywood film, um, hence it wasn't press shown. And they, I really wish they would start press showing the Bollywood films. I really yeah. do. I've i seen a good few uh, Bollywood films, and
1: really, really I never them. got
0: to see Dehoom Three. and oh, I, was, I did. I, I was, did I you did. see it? Yes. Isn't it on Netflix? Now, because I really want to see uh, it. As
1: is uh, Doom Two. I don't think first one is, but Doom Two is. Oh
0: man, I really wish I could have seen that in IMAX three. That because oh, wow. that was that was they were actually pitching good. that, yeah. and I just want to see that helicopter sequence. And this this is the extent of my knowledge about Bollywood cinema. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, the Doom trilogy. Number nine. <laughs>
1: And you know what that sound means? Grimsby. Oh, it's
0: Grimsby, baby. Uh, well, I mean, it's awful. I mean, yeah. God, it's, it's plummeting out of the chart mercifully quick.
1: Yeah, it's
0: circling the drain. It is, it's, circ- it's circling the toilet bowl room, really. <laughs> The bleach has taken hold. Yeah. But the toilet bowl should be cleaned again shortly, and we shall never have to discuss Grimsby again, no. a film which incidentally spends way too much time looking at a toilet bowl at one point. And that actually happened seriously. Really? There, there was a whole segment of the film in which there's a, a central gag about the state of a toilet bowl, and that. What, co- what happened,
1: Sasha?
0: I know. Just oh, come on, man. We're we're all bummed that you didn't get the Freddie Mercury <laughs> roll. Just let it go, man. Number eight. With the titties so simple? Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, and hail I, we should. I, I love that line so you, you much. You love it. I love don't I that mean? entire five minutes. It's, minute it's segment. complicated.
1: It's complicated.
0: It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed uh, *Hail Caesar*, and I like the sort of disparate sketch-like element of it. Mm. I like that it has these completely unattached threads. It is this anthology, interwoven anthology movie. Mm. It's twenty-two short films about Springfield. It's Clooney versus the Communists. It's. <laughs> Scarjo versus Adoption, it's, yeah. it's got two <laughs> Tilda Swintons in it. What more do what you more need, need for film? <laughs> exactly. And it's the Coen Brothers being funny. And if there's one thing the Coen Brothers can do as well as drama, it's being funny. God bless them. Number seven. Hey, yeah, I want to shoot, baby, shoot. Deadpool. 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 Dead. I am genuinely looking forward to the day this hits home release. Although, there there is an element to the release of Deadpool, which I'm going to get into later with you in in relation to another feature property. Oh, I
1: know where you're going with
0: it. Uh, You may, because it was pointed out to me earlier, and I hadn't considered it. Anyway, so Deadpool, very, very funny, very biting, very visceral, (laughs) unflinching, uncompromising, and it's now made all the money. so So it's going to make all of the sequels. I think it's going to make all of the sequels, and I'm kind of okay with that. Are you okay with that? I certainly am Good. Thank you, Fox. Please make more of these. Uh, don't do Fantastic Four again, just make more of these.
1: Number six. Rise, which I still haven't seen. seen I need this. to see it.
0: Now, this has gotten uh, reviews uh, that tend to... They err on the side of the positive. I think mm. the one thing everyone can agree on with it is that it is not for everyone. Yeah,
1: I think That's you would
0: it. watch it once. It is It yeah. is a watch once. I mean, I don't know. I I, you, I can see the inevitable film four airing coming, and I will be there to, to, to catch that right, one. Yeah. Um, it is an uncompromising vision of allegedly a difficult novelty to adapt anyway I've never read the novel so I couldn't tell you um, I don't it's not, it's not his most it's not Ben Wheatley's most coherent film <laughs> I think Sightseers mm. is the most straightforward and coherent in that regard but it is I think the one that shows off his, his shows off his talents I think the best mm. as I said to you outside of his Doctor Who episode it's the best thing I think he's done um, and I said to you I think you're wrong and yeah. I know, and then we fought over it, and, and and then
1: you said things about my flannel shirt. Yeah, I know. Clothing, like...
0: clothing was torn. It got it got a bit violent. I apologise. I am sorry, and I did buy you a cookie as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> a sorry, I assaulted you with ben had a big cookie.
1: bite out of it.
0: <laughs> so no, I really enjoyed. it I think everyone should see it once, as you say, and I think it will divide people. But it is a film that merits discussion, and frankly, what's better than that? Mm. With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on screen radio show. And we're back. By the way, happy birthday for the other oh, day. I forgot you very about much. that. Cheers, man. And uh, so, it, it's time. It, it's been three years. It's, it's, it, my ass. It, it, it's time. <laughs> it is time to review. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice which takes place 18 months after the end of Man of Steel after, after
1: all the buildings came after
0: out after all of the buildings were levelled yeah. and Zod was dead laser uh, eyes yeah laser eyes neck snapping Man of you know Man of Tomorrow Man of Steel last on the Krypton yeah. insert your hyperbole here Now, what you have is a sequel which attempts to properly launch the DC Extended Universe, as it's called, or the DCEU. I've given us extra time for this one because, frankly, we need it. Right, so what you've got is a movie that begins with this intercut, Ben Affleck voiceover-driven sequence in which you have... Young orphaned Bruce Wayne discovers the Batcave, but also at the same time, the Wayne murders again. Both of which are shot as an intercut. Is,
1: is that like the nineteenth time we've seen Batman? It
0: is uh, apparently. It is the sixteenth. It is actually actually close. No, and i was actually the sixteenth time. I was being silly. The reason, and this is all shot as if it's the opening credits of Watchmen. So, like, well, of like the times are changing from the beginning of Watchmen. This is how this is shot. Flash yeah. forward to uh, the events of the battle of Metropolis from the end of Man of Steel, and we see this battle from the perspective of the man on the street. In this case, that man being Bruce Wayne, who you know witnesses the death and destruction brought on by Superman firsthand. And 18 months later, has dedicated himself to determining whether or not Superman presents a threat to the human race. And whether or not he needs to be put down in the name of humanity. However, it turns out Bruce is not the only one with issues as regards Dear Kal-El. Because there is also a US Senator, Senator Finch, played by Holly Hunter, who has her own concerns. There is Lex Luthor, played by Jesse Eisenberg, who is this sort of... The term I've heard used, and I love this one, is programmer. Um, Which is the best way to describe him, who's this jittery, (laughs) caffeine-ridden, jolly rancher-slurping sycophant, basically, in a white blazer and sneakers, and this weird sort of uh, Heath Ledger-y Joker hair, but in his natural colour. And then, of course, you've got an incident which sort of kicks off the plot in which Superman rescues Lois Lane from an African warlord and inadvertently causes some collateral damage, and the tide of the public is against him. And there's also some guy who lost his legs in the Battle of Metropolis, who apparently has an axe to grind. And there's also some chick who's wandering around uh, uh, expensive parties in a cocktail dress who drives ludicrously expensive cars and likes to look at ancient weapons. And there's also this weird thing with visions of a potential future and there's also um, Alfred Pennyworth who's kind of concerned about Bruce Wayne but there's also this whole thing where Superman doesn't know how to determine what the world sees him as and how, what his place is within it and there's also this whole thing with Lex Luthor and he wants to exploit Kryptonian technology and there's also yeah. yes that's yeah. a lot of subplots there, there, there are a lot of subplots and on that note here's a clip what's your position the bat vigilante in Gotham daily plan do I own this one or is that the
1: other guy? Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. Good people living in fear. Don't believe everything you hear, son. I've seen it, Mr. Wayne. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the law is a little hypocritical. wouldn't you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff-piece editorial about an alien who, if he wanted to, could burn the whole place down. It wouldn't be a damn thing we could do to stop it.
0: Most of the world doesn't share your opinion,
1: Mr. Wayne. Maybe it's the Gotham City in me, and we just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns.
0: Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. Sick bird. That is about as close as you get to actual levity in this film, as well, incidentally. Oh. So, th- this, I said, this is meant to launch the DCEU, and yeah. it has these franchise hopes hung around its neck like an albatross, and boy, do you feel it, and feel it for what feels like four days. This is two hours and 33 minutes long, and you will feel every single one of those minutes. It is, it's, I mean, it's not surprising, actually, with the weight of everything on it, that it can't measure up, but it—it it, there's an inherent cynicism to it all that you can never move past. You, you can never overcome the, this, the, the, the unadulterated... Complete, just bafflingly upfront cynicism of it all in which you have a director who at any given point is balancing I think it's something like 11 subplots 12 central characters mm-hmm. 6 DC superheroes and so on and so forth and just a think, partridge in a pear tree. and a partridge and a pear tree yeah. yeah. just, it's not surprising that you can't balance any of this because there's so much going on and yet it has all of this stuff in it it's stuffed to the gills mm-hmm. and yet somehow it still manages to be baggy that's the whim. Weird- <laughs> there are entire points in which nothing happens. You're like, what? Just throw a superhero there. You've There's, got enough. Yeah, th- yeah. There, there, there is... I mean, I think it's a good 15 minutes of this Superman movie before Superman turns up. Yeah, I heard about D- that. Yeah, as, as we saying, it
1: just opens with the whole Batman
0: <laughs> really Wayne parents departs. dying. And, and you yeah. do find yourself wondering, at this point, I have sat through 15 retellings of Bruce Wayne's parents being killed. Other than the need to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan do it, I don't really need yeah. it again. <laughs> Although, you know, it is nice to see uh, Lauren Cohen In a film For a change Rather than uh, You know Something on the WB network Go figure no, Sorry CW now <laughs> CW, Isn't w, it yeah. um, It is totally Miserable To the extent That it makes The average episode Of Gotham Look like Pee-wee's Playhouse that 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 would be the politest way to describe it. I mean, honest, honest to God, there are orphanages with more upbeat tones than this film. This is the dreariest, moodiest. I mean, the whole thing looks like a cure music video. It's the mm. best way to describe it. It makes the crow look like a rom com. That would be the best way to describe it. Makes <laughs> the crow look like a rom com. It is so low energy and so enth- unenthusiastic about everything.
1: Because Bruce Wayne got some like. Some eyeliner, some eyeliner. Oh, no, no,
0: he's got point. some crow's feet though. They're quick to exemplify the oh, okay. crow's feet
1: because he's he's an older because version. He's of, of he's yeah. I mean, I clocked
0: yeah. his age. I think <clears> at one point, I think he's meant to be forty-three or forty-four. Because they well, they reference how long he's been doing Affleck it.
1: Affleck is forty-two. Forty-two. So that makes it. He's got the whole uh,
0: Doctor Strange oh, gray no. bits and sign his He'd be forty-seven. Because if oh, really? I'm if I'm working out the right the, the the math right, Bruce Wayne would have to be forty seven in this anyway. Because if you go with you know he left and came back and was 27. yeah forty seven. Christian Bale is meant to be twenty seven. I know that much. When he's Batman, he's twenty seven.
1: What well, Batman Begins? Batman
0: Begins. He's right. twenty seven. That's I remember that being a thing. But. <laughs> So, right? You see, it's so low energy, so unenthusiastic that you almost feel like you should write 20th Century Fox an apology letter for the Fantastic Four. That, that and I'm not. Even, really? I'm not kidding. That is actually a thought that occurred to me in this film. Other than, <laughs> dear God, I need a nap. Dear Josh um, Trank. dear not bad bad. Trang, All okay. is forgiven. Go and make your Chronicle chronicles. It was all Kimberg's fault. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's overblown. It's self-important. It's convoluted. It's illogical. It's boring at times. As I say. It's totally miserable. It has no internal logic. And it just feels like... It feels like a, a film that's taken place... It could only have taken place in a post-Transformers world in which, do you know what? Instead of character arcs, let's just have explosions. Yeah. As a film, as a, as a film in its own right, it simply has nothing in the way of a thematic arc. It has nothing in the way of any kind of beginning, middle, end. It, it, it's just that is a I mess. How about
1: Man of Steel, though.
0: Yes. Now, yeah. to be fair, the, the, this is the <clears> one compliment, one of the few compliments I can genuinely give the film, which is, if you really liked Man of Steel. And I know there are people out there. There are, certainly. I think those people are clinically insane, but (laughs) also have no idea what the hell Superman's meant to be. Mm. But if you genuinely, hand on heart, think that Man of Steel is an enjoyable movie, then first of all you need antidepressants, but also you (laughs) may well like some of this. But that being said, Ben Affleck... Works here. This this actually does work. His Batman, which is a completely new take on it in one sense, because he is a lot more lantern jawed, Republican, grizzled, kill them all and let God sort him out kind of a thing. Very Punisher like mm. take on the Batman. Which we've not seen before. We I'm, haven't I'm fine seen. I'm for
1: seeing different versions of characters, even if he does. Bend or push or break the <laughs> somewhat.
0: <laughs> well, there is that aspect. I mean, this. I mean, say if you had issue with a neck snapping Superman, believe me, a neck snapping gun toting Batman yeah. is going to take it to a whole other level for you. But again, if you liked Man of Steel, then you'll you'll, you'll, like you'll like roll this. with I mean, it. I
1: hated that bit in Man of Steel where Kevin Costner as Parkent gets eaten by a hurricane, oh, which is, you know yeah. and, and he's like, "No, don't come save me, son. That cannot be killed by anything." <sighs>
0: So, I mean, yeah. the thing is that Affleck's enjoyable. And, you know, even, even the battlefields enjoyable. The whole sequence which serves as a really great advert for uh, uh, Gotham Knight, or whatever it was called, yeah. the most recent game. Mm. Um, having said that, though, because he's so such a refreshing injection of what can only faintly be described as energy into the film, mm. it's kind of disappointing that Henry Cavill's Superman... He's still so undeveloped and so blank and such a kind of non entity. I don't think that's anything to do with Henry Cavill. I think he's a fine
1: actor that could bring something to that role. I just don't think that he's got the direction and something. There like is a, fire a surprising
0: lack of heart to it. Mm. And, and i found that really, really really trying um however not quite as trying as jesse eisenberg who is yeah. so soul crushingly awful so he's, he's, he's not he's, awful he's he's a
1: big bad he's a big bad he's, he's a big
0: guy he's lex luther yeah. um he's not awful i think it's that the character is awful <laughs> the character doesn't make sense within the context of this world which is yeah. he is this wacky zany almost he he sounds at times like Heath ledger's joker Like, really is swing for the heat legend, To the extent that it really doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to be, like, a maniacal genius with, like, a scientific... It seems like he has no motivation
1: to really... No, no, nobody has
0: any motivation for anything. This is a movie in which they're trying to decide, you know, what the implications of Superman's existence are. Batman hates
1: him because he's only learned and we don't know anything about him. Yeah, and and
0: Lex Luthor, no reason given. The whole storyline with... And like I say, this is is symptomatic of a film that is so poorly thought out. That there is a whole element with the the US Senate and Mm -hmm. we don't want Superman... Man interfering and things. Yeah. The idea is so poorly developed that we never get an explanation as to exactly what they want to do with him. Do they want him to be a superpowered homeland security agent? Is he to be uh, a presidential agent? Is he like the president can yeah. directly send him out? Mm. No. All of these would be interesting ideas
1: because this is things that the Russo brothers seem to be hinting
0: at. Yes, in the civil war, which comes out. You in look America. at that. That yeah. was the thing with Deadpool, by the way. Uh, a friend of mine, Joe Green, did point out to me this morning that this film has fallen smack in the middle of Deadpool and Civil War yeah,
1: not to mention the uh, Netflix Daredevil
0: and the Netflix Daredevil and now you look at that this week and you look oh there's something steeped in darkness darkness with different ideologies but again darkness great and and that kind of still manages to be strangely upbeat at the same time it still balances it this is dreary. It's depressing. It's miserable. It's monotonous. Yeah. It is held together basically by Ben Affleck. And you know,
1: on the weight of uh, Batfleck's chin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's flash back ten years and remember what we used to think of Ben Affleck. I didn't personally, but I know a I've, lot I've people thought of people. I've always been
1: Affleck. a fan of Batfleck.
0: I mean, this this is a film which manages to top Age of Ultron in terms of cynical franchise building by literally taking a character who already serves as a non-entity in this film, and this is a marketed character, serves as a non-entity, who is then literally shunted aside for five entire minutes to sit with a laptop and watch teaser trailers, three, back-to-back, for other superhero movies. And you just find yourself thinking... Why? Why didn't you? Why didn't you just pull up the Apple trailers page and have at it? Why? Why not? <laughs> What's like the Green Band the just, just, just pull up the Apple trailers page and just yeah. have at it because this is now getting. You are taking the Michael, sir. That's what you are doing. You are taking the Mick well and truly. And I'm sorry, but the existence of this entire film, which is one massive two hundred and fifty million dollar, two and a half hour marketing exercise, is testing enough. It is. By and large, Hmm. one of the most soul-destroying films of the year. And I am. this is not hyperbole. This seems to be quite a widespread sentiment. I mean, obviously, I've not seen it yet.
1: I get to see it uh, Thursday night, so yay for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is, I mean, uh, a cynical attempt to try and grab the whole Marvel-rivaling cinematic universe thing.
1: It sounds like it could be one of the disappointments, not just of the year, like you just said, of... The decade, really, because it's been one of those films. It's been not just one of those films; but one of those moments that people have yeah. wanted to see for how many years now. <laughs> when, when did soups first were come it, out? When were did it Batman... not,
0: were it not for Batman, we would say that this was worse than Man of Steel. I guarantee you, because it's a lot more convoluted. Yeah. And that's the one thing you couldn't say about Man of Steel. Man of Steel wasn't convoluted. It didn't make any damn sense. Yeah. But you could never say it was convoluted. I think this the editor is.
1: had some issues with Man of Steel as well. And it might <laughs> well be the same editor for this film. We'll
0: see. I, I will just say this as well. But this, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to drop a spoiler, but I am just going to say... Re- remember these words for when you have seen the film. Okay. And believe me when I tell you, the the resolution, as it were, of the conflict between Batman and Superman is going to fuel so many internet memes we aren't going to know what hit us i am not exaggerating with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen and we're back. So, should we should we talk about Matty Shoes? Matty Shoes. Matty Shoes is boy. back, and he yep. is starring in Disorder. Mm. Uh, this is the second film from uh, Alice Vinacour I think her name is, um, who directed Augustine a couple of years back. Mm. Uh, this is I'll okay. This this is uh, this is a really rare beast. This okay. one. Okay. <laughs> so, this is the story of a uh, soldier, Vincent, played by uh, Sh- Ma- Ma- Matthias Schoenaerts. I'm going to stop calling him Matty, Matty now. Shoes now. Yeah. Matthias Schoenarts, is that how you pronounce it? Matthias Schoenaerts. Matthias yeah. Who returns from action? He's between assignments between deployments and he takes a security job he's a bodyguard for a wealthy family in France um, and the 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 patriarch goes away on a business trip and he he decides to stick around and look after the family whilst his employer is away he takes another job basically and uh, of course an attempt is quickly made on the life of the family and this then calls into into question his own sort of feelings towards not only the family but his feelings towards conflict and combat in general and his own ptsd in his internal struggle now we don't have a clip of this because obviously it's all in French uh, naturally enough, you know, um, but it's say it's called Ma- it's called Maryland in France. I believe oh, this it? film. It's actually called Maryland. I don't yeah. know why they've they've changed it. It would have worked, but it's it's tight. It's thrilling. It's unmissable. It's one of those films that's so gripping and so good. You can basically envision the inevitable English language remake, which they'll probably ruin by casting Joel Kinneman in the lead. Just just
1: keep Matty. Just
0: just keep, just keep Matty. Matty yeah. Yeah. Do the English version with Go Matty Shoes. Yeah. and but that's the thing. It's one of those films that this film really hits home. The idea that Matthias Schonartz is this, um, one of just this most fascinating, underappreciated actors around at the moment. Oh, absolutely! And you've yes. said that for ages. I have a long time. You, you're a very big, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're a very big Matty Shoe supporter. I think first film I saw him was one called Rust and Bone. Is, ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. the Marianne Cotillard I was forgetting that was him. I really, enjoyed I was that. trying to go back in my head and figure out where I knew mm. from. Yeah, and,
1: but no, that was the first film I saw him. Yeah, very good.
0: But uh, say this is uh, for, 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 on a directorial level, it's a really impressive film. In that the film. Uh, manages to set in almost immediately with this sense of foreboding tension and paranoia, and his internal uh, his internal conflict really. There's this PTSD-driven conflict that fuels him throughout the film. We feel it as the audience because you are forever looking over these characters' shoulders. Even even though there's elongated periods of time in this film in which nothing happens, mm. you know, in terms of like action narrative. It's all you know, heavy character-driven drama. But you are so paranoid; you're on the edge of your seat all the way <laughs> through this. And it's it's a very jarring film. It's almost tiring in terms of in terms of just how involving yeah. it becomes. When it does get to the necessary action beats, however. It then pulls another impressive card in making those action beats really visceral, really intense, and yet steeped in the reality of violence mm-hmm. rather than over glamorizing it rather than going down the taken yeah. route <laughs> you are You are down into just the wet thud of a punch, for instance okay. you are down into the the sort of unpleasant notion of a face smacking a coffee table, things like that. And at the center of it all, naturally, is Mateo Schonantz, who, and he's a very internal performer anyway. As, as you well know, but this is an internalised character as well, so what he's managed to do with it is marry his own sensibilities to this character, to which he's so immensely suited, and the performance is frankly breathtaking. He's amazing in this film. You've then got Diane Kruger as the, the sort of matriarch of the family. It's a sort of proof-of-life type dynamic. Yeah. You know, the That's the sound, protector-protectee like yeah. kind, of, kind of relationship. <laughs> it's not inherently romantic. It is more sort of obligatorily protective, and it's more about... His feelings of his—is it inappropriate that I am this close to this family? And he and Diane Kruger both sell this relationship completely. Mm. It's 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 quite a touching relationship in seeing the friendship form between them. And I I bought it wholeheartedly. I was so invested <laughs> in it. And I'm I'm sold. Of course yep, you are, but then let's get to let's get to more impressive stuff. Then, okay. um, so you've got okay. There is this score to it all, mm. which brilliantly reflects uh, Matteo Schonartz's character in that it's this fractured, intentionally broken, jittery kind of a score, mm. and it's actually by a French techno DJ, would <laughs> <you> believe <laughs> named. And I've, <laughs> what's, w- what's name? I've been I've been wanting to say this out loud. I've not tried yet. Want to say this right? DJ Gasafelstein. <laughs> yes, DJ Gasafelstein. 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 Gassafelstein? Gassafelstein. Gassafelstein. I like that. Gassafelstein? <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten it right. Okay, DJ Gasaffelstein, really, really intense, gripping, 100-minute dramatic action thriller with a, a sort of diminutization of the action thriller element. They are little pockets. There's a couple of pockets of it, and it really, really works. It is a double threat by an impressive director and a really game star, and loved it. Really, really loved it. Can't wait to see it again. What's more to say on that one? <laughs> so where we got now? Are we can do some. Oh, we have some film news. We haven't done we haven't any done film news. We've been
1: too busy uh, waxing the about Batman v Superman. Oh, <laughs> we,
0: we have. Oh, we've, we've got. To, we've got to say a fond farewell this week to Larry Drake. Larry, yeah, Larry Drake died, yeah. and I don't know if most people know Larry Drake. I knew mm. him as a child from watching L.A. Law because I was that kind of a nerdy. See, really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nerdy you're a nerdy kid as well, then. Um, <laughs> it's, it's for glasses. It is. It is. For you. But uh, yeah, nerdy kid. Um, Larry Drake in L.A. Law. He was so good. But also, he then went on. He had this this habit of turning up as sort of a refreshing villain in mm. in things like uh, Doctor Giggles. He was the That's title awesome, character yeah. in Doctor Giggles. He was Durant, the villain of the Dark Man series. Awesome. So we have literally seen. A uh, Liam Neeson try and kill this man um, <laughs> and of course he did turn up in the opening minute of American Pie 2 if you remember, remember that, yeah. he was he was Natalie's dad mm. Jason Biggs's erstwhile attempted conquest and uh, yeah so he's passed away age 66 uh, it's very sad to see him go he was always a fun guy to see on screen and uh, yeah it's a shame It's a shame. lost so many good ones this year and now Larry Drake as well it's been a hell of a year hasn't it Yeah. Really? So, uh so the male uh, intended male spin off of the Ghostbusters series
1: uh, that is also uh, that's
0: been cancelled. Yeah. yeah, that's been cancelled. So because yeah. those Russos, they got some marveling to go and do.
1: Yeah, that's going to be coming out uh, next month. That seems to be a bit of a the theme this year, isn't it, <laughs> Batman? Superman, Daredevil, yeah. we'll Punisher,
0: yeah. we have. So let's move on then to uh, my big fat Greek wedding two. Yeah, this is a, this is the actual sequel that everyone has been. Yeah, after. this is it. This, this is, is uh, this, yeah. this week, this is the franchise film that everyone wants to see. <laughs> and this is because common sense would would uh, would would tell you to ask. You know, why why is there a big fat Greek wedding two? Is there really an audience sticking around for this? It's been fifteen years. You know, well, that first one it made a lot of money. Well, oh. that's the thing. That's what we forget. Yeah. It is the it's still actually the most successful rom com ever made. Yeah, genuinely and I've got it written down $368.7 million that made
1: that's pretty amazing When what
0: was the budget on do you even what it was diminutive it must have been under 5 it was a couple mil I believe something yeah. like that so what you've got this time it is naturally enough like 15 so actually, 17 years later hmm. for an obvious reason the characters who got married in the first movie now have a 17 year old daughter Paris who is a central figure in this one um, Tula that's our figure from the first movie is, has reached this point where she's kind of dissatisfied with her life. You know, her business has gone under due to the recession. Her parents are being slightly more demanding than usual. Paris, her daughter, has reached that point where she's about to go off to college, so she's kind of pushing her away she's a little bit. Yeah. And into this mix come, well, about 19 different subplots, <laughs> but the largest of which concerns Tula's own parents, the grandparents played by uh, Michael Constantine and I forget my wife's name, um, who discover that legally they're not Actually, married, that they've been living in sin for 50 years. And uh, even even though conventional wisdom, as is pointed out to them, would say that actually, under legal parlance, you actually are married due to time served. Due to time served, served. Due to time served, we're actually married. But nevertheless, A wedding must be planned. And as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. But as the new saying goes, it takes an entire Greek family to plan a wedding. In the meanwhile, we have a clip in which Tula and her husband, uh, John Corbett, otherwise known as Why carrie why did you pick big, have... uh...
1: You just, that, that annoyed me as well
0: did that annoy you as <laughs> yeah. well I went a bit John Stewart there didn't I I'm just
1: glad we should that hashtag, hashtag not, much not much. my
0: Mr. Big in which uh, Tula and John Corbett are trying to rekindle the flame quick
1: sit down before my wife gets here <laughs>
0: wow you look pretty well four hours five hundred dollars
1: <laughs> how much
0: you look so handsome yeah yeah
1: thanks <laughs> Vula called me up. She said, "Used to be good looking. Get it together." Oh. <laughs> so I buzz my nose
0: hairs. Ah. Well, now I know that. Who said there's no romance after marriage? So what you've got is, on the one hand, it's not quite as depressingly bleak as when they try to do a Bridget Jones sequel. Because I'm never a fan of the idea of you do the happy ending and oh. then do a sequel. Oh,
1: we've got a new trailer for.
0: That, oh, Bridget Jones' baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's how. I've just today. got a press release, actually, when we're on the break. <laughs> um, so you've got this... We're in this era at the moment. We keep getting sequels uh, to films, to comedies of days gone by. So we had Dumb and Dumber, we had Zoolander, Anchorman. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, this is vastly superior to most of them, I would say, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know what, it toes the line nicely and it keeps the sort of the tone and sensibility of the first one alive well enough. The problem is, it's so scattershot in terms of what it really wants to do with it that it never really takes a hold of what its point is or where the focus should be mm. and really it, it feels like this is fan service it feels like this is for the audience that loved the first movie come back spend more time with the family that you adore and i think the poster <laughs> actually says that the family you love is back i believe is I the actual tagline yeah. and really that is its function it, nothing more mm. there's there's no real grand achievement earned by the film It is kind of more of the same. It's evolutionary in terms of furthering along the story, but it doesn't add anything. It's kind of like Father of the Bride Part 2, if you ever saw that.
1: Have, have, I ever seen it? have I've, you ever seen it? I've Father got it on DVD did... along with Bride Part
0: 1. Oh, right. Well, my... we, never, we never did get the three call we so richly deserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on,
1: Steve. Yeah, my Yeah, my, uh, my fiance, Cassie. Father of the Brid, Brid Big 3. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that was rumoured, and it was going to be about the son, and the son was going to be getting married. Yes. Wasn't the son going to be gay in it? The that, sun, the that's thing. that was gay, the thing, yeah. wasn't
0: it? Yeah. <clears> I remember that rumour. Mm. That actually wouldn't be the worst that idea for I a watch. And it also would be different enough that it would work. Unlike this, which is just more of the same. And there are entire characters introduced who serve no function. John Stamos and Rita Wilson turn up at one point for no reason whatsoever other than a brief gag which isn't quite funny. It feels like treading water and... That's the problem I had with it. I, it is kind of like all of those revision, you know, days gone by sequels in that the fans will love it, but they have to be real fans. I mean, me, I, I thought, oh, it's a film, it exists, you know, and I can't quite figure out why it wasn't just released a few weeks earlier to hit the Mother's Day mark. But
1: other than that... That would, have, that would have got it. That would have made sense. But I guess we're doing it now so it's it's against Batman v Superman, it's like a counter-programming counter-programming thing
0: thing. I mean, I will say one thing that I did not expect to say about this film, which is, strangely Joey Fatone walks away with the most impressive character arc in it, in that it manages to take something that could really have been very awkwardly handled, and turns it into what is strangely the most touching sort of uh, character arc of the film. That's not how you actually say his name though Joey Fatone, we know that With the latest film news and reviews this is off screen. The on-screen radio show and we're back and literally dancing. So. As we are every single <laughs> week. We do every week. One day we it's gonna do. get old. So uh should we finish the box Office top ten before we before we crack on with the, the Disney film of the mm. really of the of the we re- release week. I said week then. Didn't week release week. Week? The week. Let's just do uh, five to one. Let, let's do five to one, shall we? Number five. The boy. The boy, which wasn't press shown. No. Nobody could figure this out. We 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 couldn't figure it out. They weren't press showing it, they weren't giving us screen links. There was nothing for this. And it came out on a Friday. It wasn't like they we're yeah. releasing it mid-week. It's, it's done quite well. It's number five. And it's a Lauren Cohen horror movie. I mean, I, ju- I, I just sat through the Sarah Wayne Kelly's horror movie, and that wasn't bad. I, I was looking forward to seeing what Maggie could do. That, maybe maybe uh, you need to nip down
1: to your local uh, movieplex.
0: I'm not doing that voluntarily, like a member of the public. That's just dull. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there are people on phones in there. <laughs> number four. The detergent series, Absorbent. Well, it's bombed in America, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It's not
1: done well at all. It's been um, against uh, Zootropolis or uh, Zootopia. Zootopia,
0: as they call it. We call it Zootropolis, don't we? Why, why um, is that? Do you I, know? I have no idea. Although, as far as I'm concerned, the whole thing should be called Zootropolis because the city's called it. You know, we're talking about Zootropolis, we should be talking that, yeah. about detergent. <laughs> um, which is perfectly fine. It's my favourite of the three movies, but I mean, that's a really low bar anyway. The first one's a fan service director's cut, the second one is this ludicrously convoluted vr story mm. and then in the middle of it all you have charlene woodley basically treading water whilst we wait for the older actors to uh, to, to carry it all for her and uh, at the end of it all wasn't really that bothered number three london has fallen <laughs> i love this film so much uh, joe green <laughs> Joe Green asked me this morning what I thought of it uh, because it's his, it's his first night out tonight with his wife since they had their first child. Oh, and my cool. response to that was so uh, you're using this opportunity to go and see London this Fall. Excellent choice, sir. Excellent choice. And boy is he in for a good time because it is dunderheaded, mindless, <laughs> yeah. bullet flailing carnage. Face-stabbing. Face-stabbing fun is what it is. And everybody I know who's seen it has loved it. John Colson went to see it, absolutely adored it. Wilson uh, response was merely that he wished that he hadn't had the hype from me beforehand but it is a lot of fun it is dumb action fun and it needs to be nothing more
1: number two 10 Cloverfield Lane I saw this on my birthday what did you a,
0: enjoy what a birthday treat it was, man. That was uh, did you agree yeah. with me about how well cast uh, oh, John, John Goodman, Goodman is because John, John
1: Badman yeah. John
0: Badman John Goodman oh, that's the question yeah. and 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 that's the thing because it plays on that casting so well it, it, it uses meta casting to ask the audience <laughs> yeah. what do you think do you yeah. think do, do, do you good and you, you, you just like you, him you have liked john goodman for
1: the past 40 years or whatever <laughs> exactly what about if he does this thing
0: <laughs> maybe he's done this would you still like him then maybe he's done that maybe about then yeah. uh, and it is gripping and it is tight and it is tense and i love the use of the space the really small limited locale love it um i think it falls apart a little bit as it gets towards the end but hey eh, can't win them all number one many sound bites? <laughs> so many sound bites. Uh, Kung Fu Panda three, three.
1: Which did you see this one? Did you see this one yet? No, I've still not seen it. I decided to watch uh, Zootropolis. Uh, but I'll be watching this next week. You two.
0: watch this, oh, okay? So I mean, I can't remember now when we had the conversation. Are you a fan of the first two? I really am. You, yeah, you are. I really am. Um, I couldn't remember them, and I went to the, and it all comes sort of flooding back when you sat mm. down. You think, okay, yeah, of I remember. Course, yeah. I remember James Hong is the goose, the goose father, yeah. and he was my favourite thing about the first two movies. And he gets a lot more to do in this, of alongside. Yeah, it's um, about like
1: his bio- biological father, who's
0: Brian Cranston. Yeah. Great casting, brilliant casting, yeah. and you've got J.K. Simmons as the film. and it's a lot of fun, and it's bright, and it's colourful, and it's kind of touching in a little bit of a House Train Your Dragon two way. Although it's not as good as House Train Your Dragon two, it is swinging for the for those How to Train Your Dragon two fences though, and I admire it for that because this seems to be indicative of. Essentially, DreamWorks going for something a little bit more, I think, and I'm I'm, I'm quite happy about that. Should we have uh, another bit of film news then before we, before we crack on through? Because uh, we we've yeah, been neglecting not? it. Have you heard about what Zack Snyder wants to do with the 300 series?
1: <sighs> Throw it off a cliff. That's, I know that's, that's what no kick
0: it. in I'll slow go. motion. Off a <laughs> 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 This is cinema. This is not a franchise. <laughs> oh well. Apparently, no. He wants yeah. to make it more of an anthology franchise. I, in I the, have heard. Yeah, he just wants. Oh, it's going to be like famous battles throughout history, and we're just going to slap the three hundred logo on. You like the three hundred refers to the. Never mind. Okay, Zach, you do whatever you want, but please, for the love of God, stay the hell away from comic books. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, Little Prince. That was an interesting one the the little the movie the little prince which yeah. is adapted from a popular french novel um this was allegedly going to be dis- this was allegedly this was going to be distributed mm. by paramount days before its release paramount dropped it unexpectedly yeah. from the schedule netflix have now Just picked it, it up
1: thing? of course of course netflix of course have. netflix yeah. have yeah they, good for them
0: they have nothing good on their their service so why not you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> now they're they're making all the all the right moves i think they they really yeah. are i've heard about david Iyer? project no I have not you've not heard of no. this no oh no I knew there was something I've not read the article do, do okay. tell uh, so uh, David Ayer has uh, got a new project was so going to be written by Max Landis who I'm not a big fan of but it sounds like quite a good um, uh, story it's a film called Bright right uh, Netflix have bought it for a staggering 90 million wow which is the most they have ever like got a, a project for it's going to have uh, Will Smith oh. and uh, Joel Edgerton Ooh. and it's going to be like a future set uh, sci-fi cop action film
0: okay I'm sold yeah sounds pretty good I am one Nicolas Cage away from being completely sold (laughs) but okay so let's uh, let's move on then and should we do our token Disney release for the week
1: oh yes please
0: which is of course Zootopia so get used to that sound because you're never ever going to be able to hear the word Zootopia without hearing this because when you actually see the film that is all you are going to take away at the end you're going to be punching the air and going uh, sing along uh, 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 you'll be trying everything oh yeah, yeah. you'll be trying everything <laughs> it's, so, it's so bad when you put it on paper it's like oh my god it's so camp but it is so infectious and enthusiastic yeah. so this is set in a world in which animals basically have taken the place of humans mm. not, in, not in like an evil way or anything not, not o- overthrown yeah, yeah they're not over, Not planet the apes are. Yeah. just there are no humans animals have become anthropomorphised they exist in society and brilliantly enough this is a society in which animals are treated like different races different species are treated as in the same way that humans treat different races so in other words some slightly better than others you have the first bunny police officer judy Hops, voiced by jennifer goodwin from uh, once upon a time she's not just not that into you and most importantly tv's ed and uh, you just remembered ed didn't you <laughs> I love that show she man. What I a show she was in what a show there. and it had Claire from Modern Family in it and, and she was uh, so awesome the, the reverse flash as well yeah, $10 mm-hmm. says you won't remember that <laughs> And uh, yeah, So, uh, Officer Judy Hopps, who is forced, as a rookie, she's sort of sidelined by the boisterous, male-driven, larger species that uh, occupy the police force, including her boss, Idris Elba, Mm. which is a brilliant piece of casting. And she is assigned traffic duty, only to then happen into a missing persons case in which uh, several different, I think something like 15, 16 mammals have disappeared at different points throughout the city, and she is forced to team up with a con artist, a literal sly fox. (laughs) voiced by Jason Bateman in order to solve the mystery. Here's a clip. Ma'am, our detectives are very busy. Please, there's got to be somebody to find my Emmett.
1: Mrs. Otterton.
0: I will find him. Oh, thank you. Bless you, bless you, little bunny. Take this. Find my Emmett. Bring him home to me and my babies, please. Uh, um, Mrs. Otterton, please wait out here. Of course. Oh, thank you both so much. One second.
1: You're fired. What? Why? Insubordination! Now, I'm going to open this door and you're going to tell that, Otter, you're a former meter maid with delusions of grandeur who will not be taking the case. I just heard Officer Hops
0: is taking the case. Assistant Mayor Bellwether. The Mammal Inclusion Initiative is really starting to pay off. <laughs> mayor Lionheart is just going to be so just. No, no, let's not tell the mayor just yet. And I sent it, and it is done, so I did do that. <laughs> Out of interest, can you tell who does the voice of Mrs. Otterton? I, I saw you know, the credits as well. I it's forgotten. Octavia Spencer. Of course, it Octavia is. Octavia yeah. Spencer. Mr. So, I was quite surprised when I saw that. Yeah, film. but it's got a lot of that in there. There's a lot of really mm. interesting names isn't it? Alan Tudyk naturally turns up because it's yes, an animated it's Disney film. Yeah. Animated Disney film in in the, you know, in, the in the 21st century. So, it's got to have Alan Tudyk course, in a role. Yeah. because I'm, I'm
1: fine with that. Yeah,
0: he's on the last four, isn't he? Yeah. but Okay, so this is just this brilliantly crafted, really well-realised story that you can you can re-watch this multiple times just for background gags because there's so much so detail many, in there, yeah. like Zuba taxis and yes. things like that. Um, but what really defines it for me is this razor-sharp and just obscenely pointed screenplay, which takes a film that Disney could have really just slummed it with... And you know, hey, it's talking animals. This is going to make money regardless. But what they've done instead is turn it into this. It's halfway between a Sydney Poitier racism story (laughs) and a sort of Who Framed Roger Rabbit detective mystery with a little bit, yeah, yeah. with that. And there's even a little bit of sort of Shane Black style uh, buddy cop element to it. I can see that. And it all comes together. And what you get is this absolutely wonderful, just absolutely elevating animated film. And it, it's impossible not to love it. Literally everything. No, no not going to literally everything. Nearly everything about it is perfect. I think the character of Gazelle, the pop star, played by Shakira, is a little bit shoehorned in there, but you can kind of forgive that solely because of and how much we love that when the film is done um, it's got amazing casting uh, Jennifer Goodwin is this sort of endearing like Leslie, Knope-like yeah, kind of a, totally like Leslie, Leslie Knope like kind of a Leslie Nope kind of you know what I mean uh, sort of lead you've got Jenny Slate uh, you could hear her in the clip there as the assistant, assistant mayor, mayor yeah. uh, and she, she's really sort of charming you've got this brilliant double header of J.K. Simmons and, and Idris, uh, Idris Elba yeah. and then of course you've got Jason Bateman doing what Jason Bateman does and just perfectly cast sort of a you know, smiley ass Kind of a figure and that, but with a little bit of heart because why wouldn't he have a little bit of heart? It's Jason Bateman, can't be totally bad. And that's it. I really loved it. It unfolds at a rate that just it constantly reminds you how uncompromising it is. And you look at it in complete awe of this potentially, potentially by the numbers animated Disney film, and yet you have a film that does so well. What Disney arguably stand for now as a company, which is let's put out what you expect and then give you everything you don't. And I really like that about you. You yeah. were a fan as well, I think. I absolutely loved it. Did you? Did yeah. you did did you find that the racial elements really hit home? Yeah, I did. I did. I thought yeah. it was very pointed. Very much an animated film for our time, I thought. No, definitely. And I think kids are gonna love it, and I think the parents are gonna love it even more. I think
1: <laughs> and... I won't be able to get that song out of my head.
0: Which song this? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but no, I was I was a really big fan yeah. and uh, it, it it's an essential essential purchase for the 3D Blu-ray collection for me, oh, I think. Yeah. And I for one definitely cannot wait for that. In fact, it's our film of the week, I will have you know. I so that uh,
1: Batman v Superman is
0: going to be film of the week. No, Batman v Superman is not the film of the week. Batman v Superman is a mistake that I wish I could forget. I wish I could just <laughs> pepto-bismol it out of existence, but Unfortunately not. Uh, We're actually off next week, if you dimly recall, and we'll be back, of course, for Friday the 8th of April, uh, upon which we will be reviewing The Huntsman Winter's War, which... Yeah, no. We could. That that was my Chris Hemsworth flag. Yeah, Yeah. that little invisible. Okay, yeah. It it, it really could have been called the Huntsman contractual obligations. Yeah. Uh, We have the Man (laughs) Who Knew Infinity. We have Deepan. We have Midnight Special, which I hear increasingly good things about. It's Michael Shannon, isn't it? It It is. uh, uh, Jeff Nichols as well. Jeff Nichols as well. I love Jeff. Okay. We also have Couple in a Hole. (laughs) which I I don't know what that is, although the title intrigues me, and Boulevard, which, is that going to be the 15th reimagining of of, uh, Sunset Boulevard? Probably. Probably. So we've got uh, all those to come, and more, not next week, but the week after, on screen, (laughs) Uh, off screen. This has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Conner. I have not actually been
1: Batman. No? No. Superman? I was was actually a case Allen.
0: Oh, just for a change. It's nice to know the mask of sanity is slowly slipping. And we'll be back next week after next.
1: Just show me the
0: way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. podcast extra time mr allen so there is a film we didn't get to cover in the actual show we proper did. this um, week speed sisters speed sisters yeah. uh, which is uh, directed by amber fares and this is a documentary about the first all-woman race uh, race driving team in palestine oh. um, and because apparently this just wasn't a thing although this is sort of We don't have a clip obviously because most of it is in arabic um, it is slightly offset uh, the racing the racing and the girl element by the fact that it's in palestine where there are so many military checkpoints that mm. character that character Characters. People interviewed actually joke. You wouldn't think there was enough room to race before you hit a <laughs> checkpoint, and that becomes a very prevalent thing in it. The problem is there are two films uh, that clash with each other. It's, it's for the most part, it's quite an intriguing. Um, Concept and the, the girls themselves are really likable. I mean, there's there's a, a couple of them are actually downright hilarious at times. Um, it misses its own sort of political correctness stance very briefly, and I I presume through sort of blissful ignorance because there is one uh, Betty. Her name is, um, and you say you can look up. So they are actually called the crew is actually called the Speed Sisters, so you can look them up. Um, Betty, who's I'm going to find out her actual full name. Her name is not on there. Okay, brilliant. Um, <laughs> there is Betty, for instance, who. Talks talks about how she is given the most attention. And yet the film skirts by the fact that it's the Middle East and the reason she gets the most attention is because she's the most physically amorous and the blonde. So I'm, I'm just going to say, I lived in the Middle East for 10 years. I could I could have told you that without even trying. <laughs> um, but the there's then two films uh, that conflict and there is the story of, hey, you know, we're standing up for girls and doing what we want. And then there's the whole... It's the Middle East, military checkpoints, blah, blah, blah. And at one point, one of them is actually shot. And really? actually? one of them is actually shot. I don't know if it's with a flare on. She gets a burn on her back, either yeah. way. But uh, it is intriguing. But you kind of wish, though, they had streamlined it into one or the other. Because frankly, either works. But the juxtaposition between the two gives you two different films of two, different com- two completely different calibres. And it's very, very hard to latch onto them. But uh, which is a shame because I say it was a seventy-eight minute long, you know, sort of documentary. Oh, wow. Quite clearly, one that you're going to see on Storyville on the BBC or something yeah, like that. You'll
1: get on Netflix, probably. yeah, oh, Netflix for show Absolutely. for shizzle.
0: But uh, <laughs> but in the meanwhile, I'd say it just doesn't quite come together between those two very disparate elements. So um, film news though, we didn't, we didn't talk about. Yeah, let's, um, let's talk oh, about did it. we talk about the screening room last week? I can't remember.
1: I think we might have spoken about it off-air.
0: Okay. Okay. I had a
1: conversation with somebody about it. I was telling them about it. So The
0: Screening Room, which is Sean Parker of Napster (coughs) fame's new initiative, whereby you will buy a $150 set-top box, and you rent a new release, day-and-date new release movie. Is that for, is it like $50?
1: For $50, and you
0: have 48 hours in which to watch it. Mm. Which, to anyone who's ever, you know, how to hire a babysitter, pay parking, etc. You know, it probably seems like an absolute bargain. Yeah. And half of the industry seem to be on the side of this, and the other half are dead set against it. Yeah. And you've got high-profile filmmakers like Abrams. AJ Abrams is really on board with Spielberg, it. Spielberg, Peter Jackson. Speed Bill, and yeah.
1: then on the opposite side of the coin, you've got uh, Jim Cameron. Christopher obviously, obviously. Nolan. Chris Nolan, yeah. obviously. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan for some reason he's is, is M. Night Shyamalan him.
0: allowed an opinion on anything anymore it's weird to
1: mention those three filmmakers of the same breath it really is
0: I, I always imagine if you ask M. Night Shyamalan his opinion he always says I, w- I don't like it but I love it that's the uh, twist that's that's the twist <laughs> Just imagine that's how you get an answer out of him.
1: Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, yeah uh, what we're also going to be offering the screening room. Mm. We're going oh, to be giving out
0: some uh, free movie tickets. Yeah, as well. so you buy the film and like, you actually get two cinema yeah. tickets in the post, kind of thing.
1: I think that's to kind of appease all the different movie theaters. Very kind much of sweet in so. the pot for them.
0: Which is it? Just seems a little bit kind of patronizing in yeah. one sense. I mean, I,
1: I would always prefer to watch a film at the cinema.
0: I would prefer the cinema, but yeah. I can just at the same time I can see but... the appeals. Like I, like we joke all the yeah. time. Like we don't like multiplex audiences in general. Yeah. But uh, so I can see the appeal in one sense. But I think there is there is room to compromise here. Which is to say, if you've got this system, if the screening room <laughs> exists, we live in a world three years from now. The screening room is an actual everyday occurrence, and you have the choice. Yeah. Now. I I have to admit I would I would be inclined to watch welcome I would pay fifty dollars to watch Welcome to Me at home, I would not pay fifty dollars to watch Star Wars The Force Awakens at home no. or even God forbid Batman Superman um, <laughs> if I hadn't seen it now I would pay fifty dollars to never have to see it again yeah. but uh, you,
1: you feel like Zack Snyder owes you
0: money I I feel yeah. like Zack Snyder owes me fifty dollars and a kiss if I'm honest. <laughs> because he's already he's already ploughed me so he may as well give me a kiss. Just, it's just common courtesy. <laughs> it's just common courtesy. Yeah. It's just common courtesy if you're going to plough your fans against their will, you at least give them a kiss first. Um, <laughs> speaking of ploughing your fans, the inevitable <laughs> what a segue! Yeah, speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of ploughing your fans, the inevitable remake of The Crow which we keep getting threatened with. Yeah. Who, who wants this? Who who are right, the people this, asking this the for?
1: It? I was interested when Corin Hardy was attached Well that's I, the news. And I was even more interested when he signed a what's called a holding deal.
0: Which meant he was just gonna stay there for years and he might do it, he might not. Yeah, but
1: But that's not the case.
0: No, not the case. He's now dropped out. Yeah, he's gone. So does anybody care about this this film anymore? I think the answer is very swiftly no. Mm. And they they're trying to flog it, they flog the dead horse, and no, no, come on, look. If Corin Hardy's gone, you drop this now you drop it. So, what else? Oh, Simon Peck, We're going to talk about Simon Peck? Yeah, he's going to be uh,
1: in Steven Spielberg's yeah. next film after the BFG.
0: Yeah, so he's going to be in Ready Player One, yeah. uh, which I can't wait.
1: stars see. Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan. Uh, Olivia oh, Cooke. Ben
0: Mendelsohn. And is based on the apparently obscenely popular book uh, written by Ernest Cline. Mm. And it's obviously a hit with the young people, because I haven't heard of it, and Calvin Prickett's had to tell me all about it. <laughs> which is how I know it's obviously very popular with the young people, because that uh, almost I've, always I've happens. I've heard, but
1: I've not read it, but I think that I will before Vulcan's It's
0: a virtual reality-based idea, isn't it, Ready Player One?
1: It is, yeah. It's got a bit of um, uh, uh, like a Roald Dahl, uh, Willy Wonka kind of... Mm take on it that's kind of what I'm hearing so yeah I'm definitely gonna read it and then I'm gonna watch
0: it I meant to tell you by the way um mm. uh, Zootropolis um, yeah. my, my, my thing with that one and I don't know why I do this with Disney films I've never told you, does Cassie listen to this show I have interest uh she
1: has once or twice she, she has yeah. once or twice but yeah. she's not
0: incredibly likely to. Can I, can I,
1: um, unless I say, hey Cass, okay, listen just should
0: we try and dissuade her from this one? Okay, I, I'm just going to confess to you once and for all, you know every time I see one of these animated Disney films now, yeah. in the back of my mind, I always think, what would Cassie think of this? Because she's my go-to sort of Disney opinion. She's the Disney barometer. She, she is the Disney barometer. Yeah. So <laughs> that. Are we going? Are we going to see pop figures in Casey's house? That's the question. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you you got an uh, I, I, I in, didn't Inside did Out I've, one. Uh, no, I got Bing Bong. Didn't no? Bing Bong from Inside Bing Out. Bing Bong. Yeah. yeah this that was it. Oh, you also. <laughs> (laughs) have one of the the Beauty and Beast ones from me I believe oh of course yeah we've got uh, got, uh, Cogsworth Cogsworth I got you Cogsworth there we are but uh, (laughs) it's your fault (laughs) it's my fault I'm (laughs) sorry but uh, yeah if we're going to see them in your house but yeah Zootropis. I did I did I wonder what Cassie thinks of this she she loved it oh well there we are that's that's all the seal of approval I need to be honest Uh, so on that note here it is your moment of cage
1: keeps the ghosts at bay this is my medicine
0: What you saw that day.
1: It's forgiveness that brought you here. You've come a long way for nothing. Perhaps you've come to tell me it was some terrible mistake. That you didn't kill them. Hmm? I can't tell you that. But they didn't die by my sword. I promise. It'll give me a headache.